This episode of Behind the DM Screen is brought to you by Noble Knight and our patrons over at patreon.com slash the Tome Show and uh, our our shoppers over at Amazon and DMs Guild who use our links at thetomeshow.com. I usually don't do that bit on this show, do I? Well, I did now. Ha. That's all uh, right. This is Behind the DM Screen. It's three DMs talking about their games and helping each other out. And uh, that's it. Are you ready, guys? Sure. Ready. All right, Sam, you're up first. 15 minutes on the clock. Go. All right. Um, so I believe where I left off was my party was on a ship in the middle of a giant lake, and they had just been attacked by some storm wyverns after having translated the map slash directions slash primordial etchings on the dwarf's back. Um, and so uh, the storm rages on, and they uh, continue to fight off these storm wyverns, and they defeat the storm wyverns, um, but the storm wyverns uh, uh, killed a couple of people, and so uh, that ends, but the storm is still going on, and uh, they go below decks, and sort of some fresh crew members come up to the top to sort of try to help steer the ship, and uh, you make sure that nothing gets damaged. Um, and they go down and have some conversations. Eventually the storm ends, but when it ends, there is an eerie stillness and the wind dies completely. And so they're kind of stuck just floating in the middle of this lake. And they go out above decks and they try to figure out what's going on. And the, uh, the priest... Uh, one of the priests that's on board ship is really, really worried because he worships uh, the god Straben, who in in that's my a god in my homebrew world, and he is the god of the weather and travel and the sea. It's it's sort of, he's sort of the Poseidon figure, mm. if you will. And um, the priest now who is on he's actually an abbot of of. Of, the, of Straben, and he is really, really upset because he's now been on this boat, and there was a humongous storm that no one predicted um, that is completely not within the normal weather patterns of that part of the world at that time of year, and now suddenly it's eerily calm and still. So he is convinced that whatever they did when they translated whatever's on the back of this this dwarf they have done something to really anger Straven. Um, and so he's freaking out and he's trying to implore people to turn around. Uh, we, we need to go back to town. We need to get off of this boat. We need to study this. We need to figure out, you know, we need to sequester the dwarf and do all these things. Um, and so this debate arises. I love when my, when my players all debate each other and a bunch of NPCs, because they always really come up with really great arguments, but then they end up just going in circles because they can't agree with each other. But what comes out of that is they always make up all these great, I, you know, they, they throw out their conjectures. Well, we should do this because, and we should do this other thing because, and the, the what happens after the because are always great ideas. And I sit there jotting them down, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, because they always give me really good ideas uh, during those times. So they start this big conversation and, uh, uh, while that's happening, um, they suddenly hear a disturbance above deck, and they go up there, and two humongous water elementals 
crawl or I should say flow up out of the water and onto the deck. And they have this huge battle with these water elementals. And during the battle, now remember they're in a freshwater lake, okay? They're in a it's huge, but it's still a freshwater lake. During the battle, one of them gets uh, sucked into the water elemental. And when they're stuck in there and they're trying to escape, they realize this water that they're stuck in is salt water. And that freaks them out. They start trying to figure out, okay, who's doing it? There's got to be some kind of a necromancer or something around, and they, they really don't know what to do. So the, the battle ends. Uh, they defeat the water elementals. And by the time they finish that battle, there's only a couple of other sailors on deck everybody else was wounded and went below decks and so they go below decks and they find everyone in the main sort of uh meeting room dead everybody except the first mate who is upstairs uh piloting the ship right now they just see them dead and that's where i ended that session oh and they had to roll wisdom checks and that's where i ended the session so i wrote down their wisdom check uh answers or, or numbers and then and then we ended because we had to end that session short for uh, real life reasons. So the very next session, the very next week, we start in that same exact spot. They just ran downstairs. They see a bunch of dead bodies. Most of the dead bodies have been drowned. They're assuming because of the maybe water elementals got in there and drowned everyone. But uh, three people have been stabbed. But based on their wisdom checks, some of them saw through the illusion. But... Um, I didn't just say, you know, to one of the players, oh, well, you know, you, you notice this is an illusion, you know, so that they could convince everybody else. Mm -hmm. I passed the player who passed his wisdom save. I passed him a card that said something about this doesn't seem right. You see some inconsistencies with what's going on. And so, uh, that led to a couple of scenes where he was trying to figure out what was going on and then convince everybody else that something weird is happening. And so eventually they, uh, end up going down below decks to look for clues and he breaks open a couple of barrels of something stored below decks and he hears something behind him and he turns around and there's this big blue skinned uh humanoid with a bunch of barnacles all over his head and neck and uh he starts to fight him so th then they have this other encounter with these barnacle people um Everybody realizes that the top room was an illusion. Uh, they completely uh, wipe out the barnacle people. Um, a couple of them escape. And then they find the people who they thought were dead upstairs. They find them sort of tied up and getting ready to be taken off the ship. Uh, and they, of course, untie them and rescue them. Uh, and then proceeded another debate about, okay, what do we do now? Do we go back to town? Because now some weird stuff is really going on and we're not really sure what's happening. And do we really want to take this dangerous situation back to the city and possibly put everybody in the city at risk? And uh, meanwhile, the, the priest who the priest of Straben, the, the abbot of Straben, who was really worried, they're blaming him. The players decide, oh, he must be the crooked one. He was putting on a really good show about being upset and worried, and he, he must be the one that's actually causing it all. Um, and, uh, and he's, he's not, but that's what, that's what they're, <laughs> that's what they're thinking right now. So it's really great because he's really this upstanding, like Abbott, he's very, you know, pious and he's, he's very knowledgeable and everything. He could really be helping them. But of course, every time he speaks to them, they accuse him of something. So it's really kind of funny. Um, but that's pretty much where we stopped. Um, they, didn't, they, didn't you have another storyline at one point where there was a, a, a corrupt Abbott or something? 
I kind of remember somebody talking about a, a storyline um, where there was like a dome and some demon outside and, and there was a, a an NPC inside that was supposed to be like righteous but wasn't. A dome and a demon. I don't know. I might Maybe. be making something up in my head. No. <laughs> okay. Different group. If it was me, it was different group because okay. this is a – Sure. This group that I'm with now has, has only been on this same story. Okay. Um, but yeah. So they uh, they go back to they go, they decide to go back to town. They get back to town and uh, they decide they're going to try to ask for information. And they run afoul of the um, dock workers guild, which is mostly halflings. And I can't remember exactly what happened, except that oh yes I do. These barnacle men they were they were wielding these swords and the swords were serrated, and the serrations had shark's teeth on them. And they they weren't magical. They're just these long swords. But uh, so the the halfling in the party decides he's going to carry around one of these swords openly on the dock. And so of course the dock workers guild, which is really like a halfling mafia, mm. they start following him around because they're going to jump him because he's obviously really bad because he's got this evil sword in his you know he's showing this evil sword openly. So they he runs afoul of the of the halfling mafia. And so they end up having to uh, to go seek refuge in the area of town called Rat Town, which is actually outside the town gates, but it's where all the rat folk live. Um, and not lycanthropes, but actual, you know, rat folk population okay. of creatures. Um, actually, the rat folk are from the Tome of Beasts. So mm-hmm. plug for, uh, for, for the, uh, the wonderful Cobalt Press product there mm-hmm. um they're slightly modified so that they fit my world uh instead of midgard because my players aren't in midgard right now but they're basically uh they're basically what they are um so yeah so that's ba- pretty much where they are so they're seeking refuge in rat town which it turns out there's a lot of uh, animosity from the regular townsfolk towards the rats they blame the rats for everything the reason why the rats don't even have an area in town anymore. They've been pushed out, and they're trying to be eradicated and and whatnot. But at the end of the session, the group finds out that there is a um, cult, and that's where these barnacle men. Uh, that's what these barnacle men are part of. And of course, if you read Princes of the Apocalypse, you'll recognize that I'm using the wave cult mm-hmm. people. That, um, and I'm going to use their their dungeon. Uh, to, as the next sort of so they've been convinced by the abbot of Straben that they need to eradicate this cult uh and so then when you, when you say their of, dungeon which of their three dungeons are you talking about the one on the surface the one just below the surface or the the elemental node in the deep down oh no 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 the one on the surface okay. the, 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 uh, the <laughs> most surface river guard keep. yeah the, the yeah exactly river guard keep the most surface uh yeah. word run it, it's um uh, it matches part of the. It sort of looks similar to a location that the the party can go towards in the cliffs, so it kind of fits exactly. Plus, they're fourth level, and it's basically fourth level or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it worked out just perfect. Okay. Um, and so that's where we ended. I, I'm converting it a little bit. I'm not going to probably do the whole thing because uh, it it can get quite extensive if they keep investigating. But sure. um, but basically that's that's what's going on. So it's extremely fun. I'm still pulling in like different. It's like Frankenstein campaign because I'm pulling in different parts from different things and mm-hmm. different enemies from different Watsy products and different, you know, Cobalt Press products and just all these really interesting things. But my players are loving it. And honestly, as I said, I love getting them into a, a sort of argument amongst themselves and not really even argument, but argument in the traditional sense of they're trying to convince each other, not argue with each other sure. um, based on reasoning and, and what most what must be the most likely 
you know, thing that's happening. Uh, and so they give me all kinds of ideas uh, <laughs> when that happens. And so, and then eventually, you know, some of those things end up being true. And then they feel like, hey, I was really, I, I was right. I guessed that way back in the beginning. Remember I said that, you know, the evidence led to that. And so it makes them feel good too when you do that. So, <laughs> so, it's, so it's arguing about like them trying to solve the mystery, not, the, not arguing about like strategy and whatever. Well, strategy too. Like, so okay. for example, when they when they decided yes, we need to go to this um, the River Guard Keep and and try to eradicate the the cultists here, and that that actually is because at first they thought it wasn't related to the stuff that they're already doing, and the Abbot of Straben and the Rat Folk had to kind of convince them of that. But when they decided they were going to do it, the Rat Folk actually um, offered to send ten or fifteen like Rat Folk militia with them mm. to help them clear it out because they didn't like it either because it because the things that these these cultists were doing was being blamed on the rat people so it was in their interest to get rid of the cult cultists as well mm -hmm. um and uh so they had this big debate on okay well do we trust these rat people do we you know what do we do and so they had they started talking about just all these different things about well you know maybe there's some truth to why this town has pushed them out or do we want to help them do we want to bargain with them are we going to pay them you know who who's among them can we trust maybe we can only trust part of them and just because they had interactions with several different rat folk npcs so just things like that where they're trying to figure out you know who's trustworthy and why and what the stuff like that where I actually get to sort of through their their thoughts and their um, you know their observations let's say their their PCs observations in the game I get to figure out and flesh out the NPCs a little bit more okay that kind of stuff are, but, are, but also are, just mysteries and stuff like that too are you intentionally using the the rat folk and rat town to to address uh, issues that would normally be considered class issues? Because it seems like there could be a real strong analogy there. Class in terms of, like, social status? Yeah, yeah social class. Um, I mean, they're kind of the dejected and the oppressed and the poor and everything's blamed on them and, you, don't, you know, people don't, tr don't know whether or not to trust them or not. And yeah, a little a bit. Similar commentary there. Um, it's, it's not a main focus of the... To be honest, here's how that started. I, I'm, I'm using a map. I didn't draw the map. I'm just using a, one of Paizo's maps of some town mm -hmm. from one of their adventure paths. I don't even know what town it is because um, I covered it up with my little label with my town name on it. But it fit perfectly. And outside of that town, there's this little, like, dejected kind of area Mm -hmm. um, down to the south and uh, of the town, and and it has like its own little set of docks, and it's this little shanty town kind of thing, and it fit perfectly. Uh, and I was like, how am I going to make that different? It can't just be oh the poor fisherman, like that's boring. So uh, when I was uh, you know leafing through the Tome of Beasts, I knew that uh, I had introduced the idea previously that in my world there are races of humanoids that are civilized that aren't just you know humans, elves, dwarfs. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I knew that I wanted to do something. And so way back several months ago, when I got the Tome of Beasts, I saw the rat people and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to incorporate them somehow. Uh, and so when I chose this and, you know, when I chose this map for the map of the city and I was kind of mapping it out and making the different regions of town, I decided that that would be the perfect place. Um, it could have just as easily been halflings or some other race. Uh, I didn't purposefully do it as something that they are, you know, to make like a class warfare thing going on. Because mm -hmm. the thing is that, you know, 
they're not perfect either. I'm not making them like these shining beacons and they're no, just sure. being oppressed for no reason. It, it's it's a little more complicated, but it's also not the main storyline. It's just sort of uh, here's why I, mean, I, really I would argue that I, the real world is is probably complicated and nuanced as well. So sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but I, I guess what I'm saying is, it's sort of a it's a like a you know item D on the list, sure. you know, of things that they could do something about. And really it was there just to show that there is some tension in this city. It's the first big city the party had been to and it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. And it has some pretty distinct uh, divisions of of labor and of, of wealth and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to uh, to use a sort of race of sort of weird humanoids to mm-hmm. um to sort of show that because it, it automatically makes them different, quote unquote, different from the sort of normal races that we think of in D&D. Humans, you know, uh, elves, halflings. Because in my in my cam- in my setting, um, you know, half orcs really aren't a thing. Uh, they are, a few of them exist, but they're really not. They're not an accepted race anywhere. They're kind of shunned. Um, and half elves, kind of the same thing. There are very few half elves. Most of them try to blend in. Uh, to being elves, okay, um, and they're not half human, half elf. They're half dwarf, half elf. So oh. uh, they really, if they if they end up being tall enough and and looking more like their elf ancestry, they can generally blend in, and they generally hide that because they're a shunned race. So there's lots of different stuff going on uh, in terms of the racial makeup of what could possibly be in the town. Mm-hmm. But I wanted something just slightly different from just your typical human elf dwarf kind of. You know. Yeah, it's not entirely dissimilar, I, I don't think. I'm not an expert on Midgard and what Kobold Press has put out, but uh, in in this the original city that started Midgard, Zobek, um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a similar dynamic with Kobolds, which is why they're okay. you know, Kobold Press yeah. and all that, right? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so, I mean, if you're looking for inspiration for them, I guess that's, a, that's maybe a place to look yeah. at some of the old yeah. Zobek uh, modules. So. I mean, the thing is, it's good to have those sorts of things in there, because if the party decides they want to pursue something there, they can definitely do so. But it's not right. a necessary mm-hmm. thing for them. You know, some parties, they like to explore that kind of storyline. Some mm-hmm. don't, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah. Very good. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but my timer was, yeah, the volume was down low. So, yeah. uh, time <laughs> ran out. Uh, before we move into uh, the next person, who is me, uh, I want to bring up our sponsor, Noble Knight, noblenight.com. It is an uh, online game store and a brick-and-mortar game store, so you don't have to feel bad about going all online with these things. You're still supporting the old brick-and-mortar. Uh, they specialize in finding uh, out-of-print products, although they also carry all the newest things. For example, the new uh, D&D storyline, uh, Tomb of Annihilation, is coming out shortly. Uh, and they are, although depending on when you're listening to this, maybe already out. Uh, and they are selling the miniatures from WizKids for Tomb of Annihilation already. And you can buy them by the individual pack. You can buy them by the brick or you can buy them by the case, which is like a bunch of bricks. Uh, and a brick is eight different packs. Uh, the And, and I've, I've bought bricks of minis before. It's a great way to get a whole bunch from a, from a collection um, you know, maybe not a complete set, but you get most of what you need and some really interesting things that way, and a couple of repeats that you might that might be useful. Um, they sell their bricks for the Tomb of Annihilation booster packs for a little more than a hundred dollars, which is not a bad price for you know. Which four, which four one comes with the? Uh, I guess is you have to buy a case in order to get the case bonus thing. Probably, yeah. And they have cases. Uh, it's more expensive because you're getting a lot more minis. 
Let me see if I can find it off the top of my head. Um, case, 32 packs. Gotcha. For four hundred, a little more than $400. Oh, but you also, yeah, and I, I don't remember. Oh, the, 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 the case incentive is like a whole set of traps and stuff. Oh. It's a, it's a whole bunch of environmentally sort of things. There you go. Um, they're, they're pretty cool. Yep. So, so check that out over at noblenight.com and let them know that the Tome Show sent you. Ah, hey, it's me, Snark. I don't really like Noble Knights that much, but noblenight.com is okay by me. You know why? They got tons of products for me where I can just be hiding in dungeons and stuff like that. Also, it's it's really, really cool. I get to find all these bestiaries that I can fill my dungeon with and all kinds of goblin miniatures. So check out Noble Knight. They'll even buy old gaming products that you aren't using anymore, and they're awesome. Noblenight.com. Make sure you tell them the Tome Show sent you. All right, so that is Noble Knight, and uh, now it's my turn. So I'm going to put 15 minutes on the clock and talk to you about what I'm doing. So last time we spoke, I think my players uh, had basically finished off the Water Temple, speaking of uh, Princes of the Apocalypse and what Sam was talking about with River Guard Keep. Uh, they've been through River Guard, they've gone down, they've, uh, and now they're working through the... the, the water. Te- well, they were working through the Water Temple. Um, I, I sort of... Um, I, th- I talked last time about how I, I used this sort of unique um, element of my game, this this uh, hive mind of uh, of creatures, I guess, um, that are trying to destroy all the chaos and magic in the world. Uh, the the storyline, and they're and they're just starting to get some hints of this now because one of the are are the wild mage. Um, or the wild magic sorcerer in the party, uh, I decided that he got his powers, or we decided that he got his powers through a, a family ritual wherein um, they didn't realize it, but they were actually reaching out to, um, you know, the the world beyond the stars sort of thing, the, the, the love, in the Lovecraftian concept, right? The far realm sort of thing. And so they were reaching into there to get, and, and that's what got, gave him his wild magic powers. Uh, and so when he sort of re-upped that ritual like they do every year, he suddenly found that he could hear the whispers of the hive mind. Uh, now he has been in direct contact with the hive mind, uh, and and that was an interesting conversation. As I continued to talk, as I continued to try to, as a DM, keep myself in that frame of mind of. We are not individuals. We are a hive mind, right? So, so they tried to say, you know, who are you? Well, we we are this, you know, um, you know. Well, go tell your people do this. We have no people, right? We are one. So a lot of those sorts of conversations. That was fun. Uh, and from there, they have uh, gone on down into the the um, what is it? The Fane of the Eye or the Inner Fane? I've, I've run both Return of the Temple of Elemental Evil and and this new one, Prince of the Apocalypse. Um, so I'm not, I don't remember which one this is called, but it's the, it's the layer deep down, uh, next level down, basically. It's the third level down of the dungeon where the four elements all come together. And, uh, they did some exploring in there. Um, and I, the one thing I sort of added because I'm, I'm running these multiple, uh, adventures at the same time is, um, I had when they got to the temple of the Elder Elemental Eye, right? The, 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 the way the adventure is set up is that one of the prophets, uh, one of the elemental prophets, is going to be there in the temple. The other two have already gone down to their elemental nodes. 
Uh, and, and the story is basically they ran down right away to summon their elemental prince. Uh, but in this case, the heir um, prophet decided to stay up in the temple and, and seek help from um, her goddess or her god. Um, and what other, other powers that she might contact before she went down to actually summon her, her elemental prince. Uh, so what ends up happening is they confront her in the middle of a ritual, and this is all sort of laid out in the, in the adventure. They confront her in the middle of a ritual. She has a, a ritual sacrifice there at the, at sort of at the feet of this altar on top of a ziggurat in the middle of a cave, and there's like uh, burning water around and, and what have you. Um, and then, um, they stop the they stop they or they interrupt the ritual. Uh, they they fight her off. I added in um, some more spider fiends. Like she had called on uh, help from the queen of chaos, which is from the rod of se- uh, of seven parts. That that is also mashed in with this uh, adventure. There, I'm I'm mashing in with this adventure, uh, and so the queen of chaos is like, hey, I heard these people are, are around. If you see them again, call on me. I will come and help you because you know they have pieces of the rod, and I want them to free Miska the wolf spider, the the big evil god of chaos, who I'm saying is also Therizda, and they're one and the same. I'm talking over myself a lot, so follow, keep along. Follow along? Yeah, whatever. Um, so, so they had the big fight. It was even harder because I brought in the, the wolf spiders, and, and it was appropriately difficult, I found. Um, and and I, used, I, I, used, I converted these old second edition, first or second edition monsters to, to fifth edition, and I kept some of the old school mechanics, like that they can just sort of summon more of themselves, and so the numbers multiplied quickly, and they had to figure out how to take them down while also fighting the, the air prophet and doing all these other things. Uh, and ultimately, as, as the air prophet was about to, to be defeated, um, her, she spent her turn basically running away back up to the altar so that when she was killed... She fell bleeding onto the altar, thus being the sacrifice that would complete the ritual. Uh, and the ritual, which uh, I decided was her nice, yeah, that's a ni- that's nice. Thanks. So, the, and the idea was that she was calling out for help. And since the other adventure that I'm bringing into this is uh, out of the abyss, which means there's demon lords running around all over the place. Well, guess what? There is a demon lord of of air and aerial creatures, uh, and so. This put out a call to all these demon lords in the Underdark, and, and Pazuzu is going to take up that call. The, that, that demon, demon I guess not a demon lord, demon prince uh, of air and aerial creatures. Uh, although um, I didn't want Pazuzu to show up right away. I want them to sort of wander back through this temple later and find that Pazuzu is there. Um, because right now they're level 10 and Pazuzu. I found somebody on, on Ian World did some stats for Pazuzu that I think work really well. Um, but it's CR 26 as, you know, demon princes or demon lords probably should be. Um, but they're level 10. So I think CR 26 might be outside of their reach. Um, although I am finding generally like, you never know. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, Mike, Mike, have you run this adventure? Yeah. I I, I had them fight. Um, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, uh, the, the air elemental one, but I had them fight the earth elemental one. Okay. See, they, they killed the earth elemental one first in mine. Yeah. So they stopped Ogremok. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I, oh, I mean, they, they didn't. Ogremok never had a chance to be summoned. They, they, That's what I mean. Yeah. Right? They, they stopped him from from showing up. They, they've been running around with with the the Earth Elemental weapon smacking things. So. Yeah, yeah, and in mine, Ogremok was the one that came about. Okay. And I think I like they were pretty low level in mine, so it was more like they had to stop. They had to. They had to like you know get him recaptured. 
while he stomped around this town destroying okay. everything. Um, well, but I, I did gonna... have a group fight Orcus, and they killed Orcus, and they were like level eleven. So okay, yeah. You know, see, I was going to ask you, like, like I've had I've had groups that are above ten beat just about everything. Yeah. So like this, the this <laughs> this encounter was is supposed to be sort of a capstone encounter of this this level of the dungeon or whatever, right? You're fighting the big boss and whatever, uh, but it's not like two CR one-fourth creatures in it, and, or, or followers, cultists, and, and whatever. I, I, so I threw in these CR five or eight, whatever I came up with, um, spider fiends that, mm-hmm. that, that ra- ratcheted up appropriately to be more appropriately difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way, though, like, there's a, a whole cavern of like this little group of lizard folk. Because uh, they came down through the water temple, and there's this little cavern of, of lizard folk with a little camp there hanging out doing their lizard folk thing, right? Right. Um, and, and, and they're not actually, like, hardcore cultists, but at this point, the party's like, oh, anything down here must be a bad guy. And so, yeah. so they went in, right. and they have this this combination where two of them drop fireballs. Well, one of them drops Hunger of Hadar. Which turns everything <laughs> pitch black, and and right. uh, and they have a monk who occasionally will throw out silence if they're trying to be stealthy about it and not have you know not aggro other fights, and so right. they will have just this this ball of pitch black darkness that's absolutely silent, and then they throw two fireballs in it that nobody can hear, and then eventually it all drops and everything's dead inside, which is effectively what happened. Like they snuck into the lizard folk and wiped out the whole encampment uh, in 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 one blast, and then like. The two that survived came, cri- you know, crippled uh, and and crawling out, all all beat up and bloodied and burned uh, from mm. the darkness, and then they just finished them off. Right. Um, which I mean, I suppose is fine, but like as it is, I t- had to take those lizard folk, which are uh, in the book the the normal lizard folk, which are like right. CR one half. Uh, right. And and the previous time they fought lizard folk, and there were like three or four of them. I just decided to turn them all into the the king or queen lizard folk that that you know um, they heal automatically when they do this certain kind of attack or whatever, and they're significantly harder. Uh, they're I think they're more like CR five, so they're much more difficult. But that that's how I'm having to provide appropriate challenge. Uh, I was just curious if you found the same thing, like. Uh, well, as, as much as I've been extolling the virtues of, of this adventure of all the published adventures lately, like they're also just walking through these encounters. Like this would be nothing for them if I didn't ratchet it up. Yeah, I would. So I'll and and you know, we can we can take up a little bit of my time on this because it's it's a different way that I'm thinking about adventures these days. And uh, the the monster ecology and you know the the idea that we have to design encounters so that they're a challenge for a party or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to push back on that idea. Um, and, and I'm starting to think of things like, well, what makes sense? Like, you know, does it make sense that there were four lizard folk kings all hanging out in a room? Well, no, but oh, but I don't have to call them lizard folk kings. They, that's I know, just the right. stats you I'm using. Them. You could do like the 4E thing, which is like, well, now we have the paragon tier lizard folk. And I don't and um, I and I don't disagree with you. Like I don't I don't need the every encounter to be a challenge, but I feel like I, I've had to do a lot to make the even the boss fights a challenge, you know? Because well, those, those right, should be not, you're right. All right. I think I think that there's I think that there's probably there's probably two sides. One is I know I have a tendency to run encounter and I was gonna talk about this in mind, so I'll save I'll save it for mine mostly. But I, I, I tend to have you know, that same idea that like I wanna have a certain number of challenging encounters. But I'm beginning to think like, you know, I'm starting to like more and more challenge more and more encounters where they're facing what would be there. And if they blow them up with a fireball, well that's that's that. Sure. And 
And if I'm doing theater of the mind, it's perfect. And it also opens up an opportunity. They, they walk in, they look and go, wow, it's just lizard folk. Maybe we could just intimidate these guys and talk to them. You know, and it, and it doesn't always have to turn into combat at that mm-hmm. point, too. But there are times where you want to have a fight that's an actual honest-to-God challenge. Right. And um, I don't I mean, level 11 for, for, for that, I don't, I don't remember what level that section of the adventure is supposed to be. Right. Well, um, the whole adventure is supposed to take him to level, what, like 15? 15 yeah. or 16, yeah. And they're, they're about ready to start going into the nodes, which means if they were going to go into the nodes based on the way the, the adventure is written then they would need to be like 13 or 14 by now. But, well, that's, but so I don't actually need them to happening. be there. I don't is this need happening to... in the node or is this happening in the level above no, it? No, they're about to... So next is the nodes. They, don't, they, okay. don't, they haven't quite so followed So they're in a level 7 or 8 area. Uh, I think they're probably about where they should be 10. Because uh, if me, it goes I'm, to 15, I'm... they've only got like two nodes left. Right, you, but you've you got to remember that. The, the so the uppermost level, I think, the uppermost level, which is like the, um, the, the temples that are above ground, Mm-hmm. are like levels four five six and seven right. and then the level the one level down from there is like level eight nine ten and eleven and then okay. the level below that's 12 13 14 15 right. and and i think they they say like what level they expect people to be when they reach them but i i think the way the adventure ri- was written is you know hey what whatever power the characters are when they enter it that's the way right. it is and and, 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 and that's fine you know, and I think it'll be fine because I think what will happen instead of – I think they'll end up wrapping up the Princes of the Apocalypse storyline before we go back to Out of the Abyss. And they're going to be overpowered for the Out of the Abyss and underpowered for the end of Prince of the Apocalypse. But, but they seem to be keeping up with the power level fine. So I'm right. not super worried about it. Uh, and if they did, then I wouldn't – like I wouldn't mind going – being able to refocus on just the two or three storylines I got going on and, and finishing off the one uh, a little bit earlier than – than planned, right? I was planning on dragging it out to like level fifteen or whatever, um, but I think if they finish it at level twelve, I feel like I'm okay with that, and then let them move on to to other things. Right. You know, then go fight demon lords, and then Pazuzu right. shows up. Oh, and that's yeah, yeah, and that's that's you know that's kind of I mean the, the, those those are sort of the, the ways to think about it is like you could just say well screw whatever monsters are in here I'm going to repopulate it with something else now I, I would argue like well maybe it got repopulated by stuff because the story has increased they haven't been down there and now like if you if they go to out of the abyss and they're high level but they haven't been there in a while and the demon lords are there and now there's a lot of demons running around there right. and demons definitely are the right challenge level right you know that that still makes sense from the point of view of what's been going on in the story um, but also, you know, will will gives you access to monsters that you think will challenge them. Yeah. Did you uh, ever, did you ever worry that they would end up going into nodes that they didn't need to go into? Like at this point, they've already I, defeated I, the prophet of earth and air. Oh, <laughs> what now if they're, they're still heading. What, yeah, what if I, they I, what if they still go into one of those nodes? Yeah. Just, just let them do a whole I mean, dungeon crawl. I mean, it's fine. It'll just take a lot well, of time. And I for guess no like reason. the interesting bit is you got to say like, well, what are the people that are in that node doing now? Right. No, I mean, I, they might go and desert it. Right? I've had like a lot of those like, thoughts because you know what? Yeah. Oh, an elemental princess is dumb. We quit, and like everyone left. Yeah, no, know? I've had a lot of those thoughts because the the Earth Temple has been been wiped out for three or four months now. They haven't yeah. had a prophet. They, they, all the potential leaders were killed. There was there's nobody left. So are those uh, what are they hill giants or whatever still going to be there guarding the node? I I don't know, and I haven't had to figure it out yet. And I might not figure it out so until, went, until they walk in. They went but, to the Temple of Crushing Wave. So yeah, so first they wiped out the the uh, Black Earth Temple of Black Earth, right. and then and then they left for a while to do Out of the Abyss and some other stuff, and now they've come back and they went through the Temple of Crushing Wave. 
because they're yeah, like, well, so, th these other so, events are going on. We need to stop them next. Right. On, on page 75, it has a character advancement section that talks about what levels are suitable for those areas. Sure. And it says that um, Crushing Wave is level 7 and Black Earth is level 8. Right. No, I know they went out of order, and that was their choice, and I'm, that's, yeah, the, that's and, the sandboxing and, and again, nature of that adventure. Right. Design, the design is such that it's, it's you yeah, know, but, but you, what's, it's okay if they go out but of it. what's the just next like, level like down supposed to be? Easier. So the level down, next down is the next four levels. Uh, hang on, I'll look it up. Uh, so chapter... Yeah, I have the book. I pulled the book off the shelf. Um, shucks. I can't find it. No, it's not a big deal. I was just kind of curious. Because yeah. they're, they're level, um, I guess they were level nine and, and we're just breezing through that stuff. Yeah, and well, how many players too? How many characters? Uh, Four-ish. I mean, four okay, depending four. on the week. We have four to six depending on who shows up. Yeah, so I, one thing that I found uh, with... Um, uh, here we go. Okay, so Howling Caves, uh, Fane of the Eye is 10th, Howling Caves is 11th, yeah. Black Geode is 12th, and Weeping Colossus is four, uh, 13th. Yeah, and they they literally just hit 10. Like, as after they finished the boss fight, I leveled them up to 10. Yeah, and I don't, I, you know, I haven't looked through here to say, is it, you know, is it right? But it's got, like, a lot of elementals in here, you know? And elementals are pretty tough. Not at that level. Not not in the, the Fane. At the Fane, it doesn't have them, or at the Fane, the, they're not tough. There, there's not, there's no elementals in the Fane. Okay. Uh, at least not that uh, I've run into yet. I, I just saw some flying swords and lizard folk and burning I mean, halls has. There's a there's a, there's the uh, uh, elemental Myrmidon, which are which a purple. Term. So I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're yeah. we're rambling about this this individual. Well, it, but, it, but it brings up a really interesting thing that I want to talk about in, yeah. in my section too. Well, good. We can talk about ecology. Yeah. We can talk about that in just a moment. But first, I want to thank our patrons who support the show over at Patreon.com/slash/TheTomeShow. They give us a little bit every month. As a result, they get some some first hints as to what we're going to talk about. Sometimes when I need guests, I go there first and I say, "Hey, you guys are supporting the show. Anybody want to come on and talk about this thing?" Uh, or, hey, we need an advice topic. Here's our options. What do you think? And, and so that's a way of, of contributing to the show and supporting us directly. But you can also support us indirectly by shopping at Amazon and DMs Guild, as many of you are doing anyway. If you go to Amazon or DMs Guild through our links over at thetomeshow.com, you'll see links on every uh, episode posting. You go through those links. It'll, you'll get the exact same experience, but they will know you came from us because it'll put a little cookie in your browser. Um, and, and then we'll get a little like 4 to 6% uh, of the cut from that. So there you go. Those are some ways to support us, and I thank all of you who do so. Mike. So, uh, I am running my two games, but I'm only going to talk about one of them tonight. Um, I'm running Storm King's Thunder. I'm running for two different groups. Uh, one group, uh, my Sunday group, just got to the Eye of the Allfather. They just met Imrith. I, I like kind of steamrolled them through it. They went in, they talked to a Cloud Giant brother. I, I changed the story, of course. Um, <laughs> they talked to the Cloud Giant brother, who's the brother of, San, of, of Countess Sansuri. They found out that Countess Sansuri is essentially responsible for the betrayal of the giants with their god, the Allfather, and that's why he caused the Ordning. So they figured that out, and that gives they, they hate Sansuri and want to go take care of her, which was part of my reason all that occurred. Um, and then on their way out, here comes Imrith. And one of the things, the fun bits with Imrith is that she gives 
you know, she they usually both groups have recovered magic items that belonged to Emirith's ancestors, and she can scry on them and see where they are. And when she saw them go to the eye of the Allfather, she said, "Oh wow, I want to go there. I didn't know where it was," uh, which is a little bit of plot hole because how did Countess and Suri know where it was and mm-hmm. that Emirith did? Anyway, so Emirith shows up. She walks down the hall. Both groups suitably said, oh, my God, we're not going to face that. And then uh, Harshnag, the uh, frost giant, collapses the tunnel on himself and on Emirith. And I don't know that the Zinterim group's going to give much of a shit, but the other group cared a lot because they like one of the characters had been a companion of, of um, Harshnag for some time. Um, anyway, so that's the, that's the Sunday group. The Wednesday group, uh, what did they... I don't remember what they did last. I think they... Oh, they met the Allfather and had their conversation with him. And he said, he was the one that revealed to them, hey, turns out there is no such thing as an ordning. Giants just believe all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. And they believed it's broken. But real- the reality is they just turned their back on all of this stuff. So they had this really fun event where they uh, met the Allfather. And uh, they then had to decide. So and the Allfather said, however, the, you know, my children are causing significant problems. Um, you know, Duke Zalto is building a war machine that's going to stomp all over the Sword Coast if he's not stopped. And uh, the you know one of my children, who has long since turned his back on me, is uh, the Dode Kong, the Death the Death King, mm-hmm. a undead lich stone giant, and he is tearing open a rift between the Shadowfell and here and doing some terrible stuff. And it'd be great if he was stopped too. So the group said, okay, let's go after the, Do- the, the, the let's go after the the Dode Kong. We're going to make him next. And as they leave the um, the place, they get attacked by stone giant whites and a bunch of regular whites. And this is where um, I have a new thing that I'm really excited about, which is a way to run hundreds of monsters against a group at a time. Oh, your, your mob rules. I think we talked mob, about that a little bit last time. Yeah, did we? Yeah. So I love it. And I did it there, too. Where I had 100 whites. And, you know, whites are not they're CR2 and they have 45 hit points. So they're not, you know, they're not CR one quarter. And we still had a battle against 100 of them, and it was manageable. And, you know, the, the party's really tough. They're like level 12 now. And um, the, the, the hard part was the Stone Giant Whites, because they had, I think, five of those. And Stone Giant Whites are basically all of the white abilities stacked on top of a Stone Giant. And they're really badass, especially because when they hit you, they drain you for about 28 hit points, and you don't get that health back. You're like the, the, it, it drains your life of 28 points right. at it. So our cleric, my, my wife's my wife's cleric, was knocked down to three hit points with no ability to heal above three. Mm. <laughs> like it was really ugly, and that's you know bad 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 luck. Um, so they defeated that, however, and they found that a nearby barbarian tribe, the tribe of the uh, the worm, of the ice worm or something, uh, has been a sinkhole appeared in the middle of their village and led down into this this black pit below and the stone giant whites came out and basically turned all of the barbarians there into whites and took some of them back to the pit. And then they went out to go see this, this, uh, this temple, you know, they sent the basically the stone giant whites out there to go investigate this temple before they were destroyed by the party. So, uh, now the group is headed to Dodheim, uh, which is the city where I, I called it Dodheim. I think it's actually called Cairnheim. I screwed up the name after looking it up. And um, which is essentially a uh, a former stone giant city that is now the undead city being run by this stone giant lich known as the Dodgong. And I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> like, I, you know, I've got nothing. So, and I'm running my game tomorrow. 
And you've been asking on Facebook and stuff about that too. I, I did. Well, because like I'm trying to do like the as any is there a stone giant underground city I can steal from? Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to make my own stuff up. Like that's crazy. Who does yeah. that? I, I actually responded to to one and gave some suggestions. I'm like, oh shoot, we're recording tonight. I should have saved that. <laughs> uh, what were your suggestions? I don't think I saw them. Uh, so and I think it was on your personal page, not one of the ones you put on the the five E groups. Um, but the ones I looked at was, oh, there were two. Oh, um, and both of them were from Kobold. Uh, that you could go back to um, Kobold's Lost City uh, yeah. project. Uh, uh, sorry, they're, they're, what, they're Lost City? Yeah, so they did a project called Lost City. Um, that was, okay. But that's mostly ruins. Um, the one I, that I actually right. uh, like more um, is the, the what they do with the, the Empire of Ghouls um, in, in Midgard. There is just this massive underground. Uh, it's sort of their version of the Underdark. Only st- instead of full of drow, it's full of this large underground empire run by you know intelligent, organized, civilized right. ghouls. Um, right. Which I mean, you, you're not running ghouls. You're running undead stone That's giants. Right. But just, you but you could just size it. them up. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so right. so that <laughs> might be a place to, to to look. Yeah. Yeah. And I so um, I've been sick. So I actually missed the last time I was going to run this game which is a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I've got my notes from back when I was preparing for that game. Um, and I'm looking back on it. I'm like, oh, that's, that's not so bad. You know, like I, I wrote down a bunch of locations. Um, I'm trying to find it now. Let's see. Is this the right one? Um, no, that's not the right one. So, um, yeah, so I think I've got a few ideas. But one thing that like my, my lazy DM process does not work particularly well with cities because I really don't know where the hell they're going to go, sure. right? And if and if they're big, like, you know, here here are some that I found them. So here are like some of the places, some of the the quote unquote fantastic locations, right? Uh, so the doom the doom gate is where it's going to start, which is the stone giants have figured out how to build these gateways that let them kind of go all over the Sword Coast, which is why they're up in the spine of the world, even though Dodheim is beneath the um, Great Peak Mountains, right? Uh, so there's a gate that's being held by a gatekeeper, and a gatekeeper is like an, an undead stone giant mage, uh, plus a couple more stone giant whites. Uh, so they have to, you know, beat those guys and then open up the gate. And the gate is a one-way per ten-minute thing, so they can't just like run through and then run back out again. Um, then when they get there, they oversee this huge cavern that's like this giant underground stone city, and the cavern has these huge pillars. And the stone giants basically live inside the pillars. And I don't mean like they have little houses in there. I mean they meld with stone mm. and become these giant pillars. But now many of the stone giants that were in those pillars are now dead. So they're like these rotted stone giant husks that make these 500-foot-high pillars that hold up the, the place. Yeah, right? and, that's, and that's pretty consistent with the architecture of um, the stone giant location in Storm King's Thunder as well. I think so, right. Because yeah, there's like dead, there's dead stone giant like statues right. that are actually just the dead stone right. giants up there. Right. Yeah. So then there's like this huge like obelisk in the center. That's a, um, that where, where the Dode Kong himself resides and it has a huge necrotic moat, like a moat of this necrotic liquid and no bridge and no door. Cause he doesn't need one. Right. So it's like, how the hell do we get it? They'll have to figure out how to get in. Like, mm-hmm. you know, do they meld with stone? Do they? And I, I think they might run into like a, a dying stone giant who's not yet turned into a white that they can maybe befriend and who might be able to help them get around a little bit. Um, there's a huge ziggurat where the actual rift to the Shadowfell is being done. And beneath it is this huge sacrificial chamber where they're sacrificing like hundreds of mortals to keep this rift open. 
Um, there's a huge set of slave pits. I was going to get really gory with the slave pits that basically like the stone giants don't even understand how humans live. So the only way that people have been living is by eating each other, you know, but I'm like, mm. ah, how about that stone giants do know? And they just like grab a rove every once in a while, break its neck and throw it in there, you know? So like life is terrible in these pits, but we don't have to resort to cannibalism. Um, uh, yeah, these giant columns of, of petrified stone giants that have been there forever. Oh, and the, um, the Dode Kong actually has a, so there's a weird temple nearby, or like this weird stone giant temple that he leaves alone and it's protected by a Dracolich that has been like a companion of his for a long time. He, he found this dragon and turned it into a Dracolich and that's guarding a crown and the crown is his phylactery, but he actually hates the thing because it's kind of what killed his lover and turned him into a lich. And that's part of the Dode Kong lore. Um, so, you know, one of the options is the party can learn about that and say, like, we don't, we're not dealing with a stone giant lich. We're just going to go grab that crown, you know, and, and, you know, that'll help. So part of it is I also don't know exactly what their goal is. Like, <laughs> shut, shutting down the rift I know is part of their goal, but getting the crown might be really good, too. I think they know, they know about the crown, so they know they, they need to grab that up. Um, but when it comes to the ecology, and so this is, this is kind of, you know, um, you know, the, one of the things is like, okay, so what, what's actually in an undead stone giant city? Like, what would be there? And my thought is like, well, there's probably hundreds of zombies, right? Like, they create, I mean, if, there's, if they have stone giant whites, that means they have lots and lots of zombies. So there's probably, like, slave zombies that basically aren't hostile, right? They'll fight back if attacked, but generally they're just doing work. They're digging and they're moving stuff around and, you know, they're just slave zombies to the, to the stone giants. But, like, in a stone giant city, how many stone giant whites would actually be there? You know, like, what would you, what, what makes sense? Like, it's not going to be a hundred, right? There aren't a hundred stone giants anywhere. So, yeah, I mean, how big is the, how big no, of a big, city? Well, how, so, like, you know. Or is that part of the question? <laughs> yeah, that's part of the question. Like, what, when you think about stone giants, they're relatively solitary already, right? So they don't have, like, a city of 500 stone giants. They have, right. like, maybe, you know, 20 30 you know like how many stone giants make a colony no matter how big their city is like right. not a lot and they've killed a whole bunch of them so you know i figure there's maybe a dozen stone giant whites sure in total right um and i think he's got like a brother who's a stone giant death knight that's wandering around too so that way there's a couple of really bad dudes you know that they don't wanna... so let me ask you this do yeah. they the, the stone giants what so what do they enjoy? This sounds like a dumb question, but what do they enjoy? Like, do they appreciate beautiful sculptures? So do the stone giants did, right? So the stone giants, they, like, there's a couple of interesting things. Like, the original stone giants were all just, bad. they liked mountains, and they didn't understand people at all. People mm -hmm. are like ants. They just don't, they don't get them, right? And they're like, ah, whatever. But then when the ordning broke, they're like, well, you know, we're pretty sure that these ants are real pains in the asses. We're going to go break their buildings down. And they started doing that, but that's also kind of dumb. And then the Dode Kong said, no, a world of the living is bullshit, and I want to tear it open to the Shadowfell, and everybody should be like us stone giant whites. So what they like is, you know, tearing open a hole between, you know, this world and the Shadowfell that they can use to basically turn everything into undead. So, so what they but, would but have... They, one thing about sorry, just sorry to interrupt, but but one thing about the Dodkong is he's willing to take a thousand years to do it. Mm -hmm. 
right? Like, it's not like it's going to happen overnight. There's not this big threat that the whole Sword Coast is going to turn into an undead, you know, cesspool. But in a thousand years, he might. So, so here's so because you're trying to structure a city, yeah. right? And so, what you need to structure is what you need to figure out is what actually needs to be there and what would be there because they want it to be there. Right. So, if they're undead, they don't need you don't need your standard yeah. elements like waterways and all that yeah. kind of crap, right? You don't need any of that. So, but you could actually. You you could actually take something like uh, the Gloomrot expansion yeah, for 4th edition, right. like the map like that, greatly reduced in size, and just like flip through that and look at what elements are in there. Yeah. Um, and that's why I kind of asked about sculptures and statuary and fountains and kind of bullcrap like that, because it's becoming an undead city, but it maybe was not always... That's, that's correct, yeah. Right? And the Stone Giants loved sort of sculpting, they did right. sculpture, and all of their sculpture was by melding stone. So nothing mm-hmm. was ever carved. You know, nothing was kind of everything was sort of like taking. You know, you know that whole like sculpture th- ideal of we don't we don't create sculptures. We just release the sculpture. From right. The, yeah. Yeah. They actually yeah. do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like right. Right. Say, right. We we so, know what lives inside this, and we form that. But now no yeah. one cares. Like it's all crumbling to dust because. Right. The, the so what you're gonna have then in the in the city is little pockets of. Yeah, beauty. Know, old, old statuary, dead. some that's in really bad disrepair, mm, but it's just kind of been pushed yeah. aside, right? And then yeah, you'll have the sort of pits where they're creating the undead, right? Like, they gotta have the undead factory. But then all around these sort of weird undead factory little areas, there's these little pieces of beauty everywhere. Right. And I don't know if they were particularly big into statues, like, of people, but, but one thing sure, that would be sure. Yeah, they, they're, there's this. So the whole lore of the Dode Kong is that it was him and a, you know, he was relatively young stone giant, and he had a lover, and she was relatively young, and they wanted to rule over the stone giants, and he used this crown that was going to make them like super powerful, and instead he turned into a lich and he killed her, right, and it went really badly. But the mm. idea that there was like a statue of her in this town, this like sculpture that was sort of melded out of stone, mm. but now it's like breaking apart, you know, it's only like half there, and it. That would be a nice bit. Of, like no one's going to care about the fact that maybe Stone Giants didn't have statues of people, if if it gives them a clue into like what this thing was. Right. Uh, there could I could also, also tie that be, to a character background pretty there well. There could also be like a relief that shows different scenes in his life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I find and part part of it's missing and part of it's degraded, yeah. so it's not all. It's not going to tell the whole story, right? Right. And whose point of view would it be from? Would it be from hers? Would it be from his? Would it be from? Well, I, I'm thinking that observer. she's a. I'm thinking she's a stone giant banshee that's still mm-hmm. in that chamber with the mm-hmm. crown, and they have a chance to convert her, mm-hmm. right? Or she'll scream and kill them all, which is fine right. too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it could be really interesting. Like one thing, and I was talking to Michelle about this because she's like, you know, those stone giant whites are really bastards, and she she hates them. She's like, she hates me for making them more so than she hates them. But you know. She she and I said like well it's stone giant whites like you know you knew what they were you know and you know it's a lich so you guys are level twelve but you're going into a really rough area like this is an end game zone you know <laughs> and and it could end in a TPK but if it ends in a TPK that'll be okay because they'll be thrown in the slave pit and they'll have to figure out another way out you know like right. I already have a I have an idea for if it goes really badly where will they end up and they'll end up in the same slave pit as everybody else to become sacrifice because the stone giants don't know them from anybody else like they don't you know they they don't even see them really 
Yep. And you talked and about you talked about, towards the beginning of your time about the difficulty of using your lazy DM sort of style with cities. Yeah, big, big open. Yeah, this is so many options. Well, and and that's that's tricky too, because like, because because on one hand that's true, and on the other hand, I don't necessarily find that I have to modify my relatively light prep system very much for an urban setting. I, I still, for any time I'm, I'm planning a session, I, I'm basically planning out like three or four interesting locations. If right. I've got three this or four... One I've got about, yeah. yeah, so if you've got three or four interesting locations... So yeah. then you just, I've got about, I need about eight, right? Like That would normally be true, but if you think about a stone giant city where they're on like an upper plateau and they look out over the city, there's got to be more than three places they can go. No, you know, but, like but, there's got eight, and then you, they could go to any of the Right, but if you've got, and I'm not saying that there's only three or four places to go. I'm saying that if you have three or four of them that you've worked out and, and made them really interesting, then the rest of it I can usually kind of just make up on the fly as I go. Right. You know, I don't need them to be like the most fantastic and interesting places because those other places will stand out in their minds. Yeah, one of the interesting so one of the you know I've been spending a lot of time thinking about lazy DM stuff recently, and one of the interesting things is um, I was thinking about how I have like a loose plot outline, you know, like this really quick like here's the five things that might happen in this adventure, and the reality is I almost always throw those out the window immediately, mm-hmm. but it makes me feel good to have them. So mm-hmm. half of the prep of the lazy DM isn't about actually having anything prepped; it's about feeling okay, mm-hmm. and and in that case, it's like. <laughs> If I have enough places in a city that I feel like I can describe these and they'll be evocative to the players and I know them enough that if they go there, I can I can BS my way right. you know, through, then that's probably enough. Well, and half the time, that kind of prep for me anyway is is knowing the general theme of where uh, the, the larger story arc is going and then knowing sort of the 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 organizations or NPCs and what their yeah, motivations right. are and from if if I know those things and be consi- can be consistent about them, th- right. then things will go where I where I want them to go or yeah. where where they they want them to go. Yeah, it's one thing I haven't I haven't really prepped yet and and I'll I'll probably work on tomorrow is um, you know a few interesting NPCs they could run into like a dying stone giant would be right. a good one a zombie you know one like a zombie barbarian would be a good one because maybe they can do speak with dead or something and learn from this zombie barbarian yeah pull some pull some, then, inspiration, maybe, yeah, you know, pull some right. zombie inspiration some. from planescape torment and you know yeah. ha- have interesting thing carved carved in them or or notes yeah, stuffed yeah. in their mouths or whatever yeah so that would be you know i think i think I think a couple of good NPCs could make this whole thing come together a lot better yeah. uh, because it does give them like if they have a, if they can get access to a stone giant, well, then they can actually get into that tower if they decide they want to fight the Dode Kong. That's probably a bad thing to do, though. <laughs> I mean, so stone giant lich, he's got like 200 hit points and all the lich abilities. Yeah, but you got players that take down lich, lich, liches at six level, right? So Yeah, they're, they're tough, but, you know, somebody's going to get power word killed right away. Yeah, <laughs> like, they don't have 100 hit points yet. I, I have very yeah. little uh, sympathy for your players, Mike. Yeah, I, or they beat a lich early. Like they beat a lich in in um, Curse of Curse Strahd. Your yeah. lich, so they beat a lich for breakfast. I wouldn't go that far. They knew that they got hit, but they beat a lich in like what one or two rounds? Oh well, everything it, you know, all these battles only last one or two rounds, yeah. no matter what way you go. <laughs> like well, you know, you. battles don't. T- yeah. Do you have battles that last more than a couple of rounds? Oh yeah. Yes. Really? Man, mine, mine are all pretty quick. Either way, even the tough ones. I don't know. I guess everything's <laughs> about damage. 
So that's my game. Well, that's well over our time, <laughs> so, as so, usual. Although yeah, we came we in right at about an hour. So that's, okay. that worked out all right. Well, let me let me just say one more thing about... You could have one. One more thing. One more thing about Monster Ecology. Uh-huh. And so the thing that I'm thinking about with Monster Ecology is that, like, you know, powerful monsters are rare. Like, they're, you're not going to see swarms of stone giant whites. Right. You know, you're going to see, like, at the most, at the city where they live, 12 of them. And low-level creatures are pretty common. So when you see kobolds, it's not... If you go into, like, a kobold warren, it wouldn't be uncommon to see 100 of them, right? right? And whatever level the characters are doesn't mean all of a sudden there's a lot more stone giant whites. Right. You know, it's like there's still only those stone giant whites. And maybe if they go to the outer plains, now it's a different story. Now there could be, you sure. know, hundreds of high CR guys. But generally speaking, like, you know, ancient dragons are thankfully very rare. <laughs> and... You know, and and so when we're thinking about our game, and I know that like I was I was looking back on you know like like what Mike Merle said about it, and he's like you know he places the monsters that make sense. Oh yeah, and I, I wrote a flourish article about this too, right? Like encounter balance is out the window as far as I'm concerned, and now it's like, well, what would be there? Yeah, no, I, nice I, mean, I don't even know the encounter balance rules. I've never learned yeah. them. I've never used them. I always yeah. just sort of throw in what I think should be there. But I do like to have a challenge every now and then, and well, and right. while it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. For there to be a warren of hundreds of kobolds, I don't want to run that encounter because that sounds like a slog. Uh, I mean, I, so that I would normally think so, and now but, that but I've now got now we have the, the mighty Slifler's mob rules. I mean, this, to me, it opens up a whole new avenue of storytelling. <laughs> now the number of monsters is no longer a limitation for me, right? Like that idea that like, oh, if it's more than twelve, it's going to suck. That was like a story limitation now, right? Because that meant uh -huh. you couldn't have a situation where they fought more than 12. Absolutely. But I now agree. it's like they can't go in a room and have 100 kobolds. And you know they're going to kill like 80 of them before the kobolds get to go. But 20 kobolds so all throwing spears at the same person, that's going to cause some damage. <laughs> that's right. Maybe, but how many of those are going to hit? Maybe yeah. two, you know, not a lot. Against that paladin with an AC of 24. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, so that idea that having, having, and whatever, like there's a bunch of different mechanics that we can use in order to run lots and lots of monsters, right? But, but it's not, the mechanics aren't the important part. The important part is we now have a vehicle to tell that story, right? You know, I, I literally had them go into a room with a thousand skeletons in it and the skeletons weren't moving. So it's like, if they didn't screw up, those skeletons aren't going to attack. But if they screwed up, they're going to have a thousand skeletons attacking them and they're just going to die. Cause even a thousand, you know, no matter what level they are, a thousand skeletons are going to hit you. Um, but I had them fight a hundred crawling claws. The mm -hmm. crawling claws are hard to say. And, and they fought that, you know, and I had a hundred whites and they fought that. So, um, so, that, I that I, so I just need to have your website open, uh, more often when I run is what you're telling me. Well, I keep it as a little bookmark on my phone and I pull right. it up on user. Right there. <laughs> yeah. But that's only one, like another way. And I know people have done this is you take a big monster and reskin it and say, it's a whole bunch of guys packed together. You know, and it just gets three attacks, but that's really a com. You know, all of it is abstract. Like you're abstracting things no matter what way you go. Right. So it's I like, like which way better? I like mine too, but it, but you know, I, I think it's worth the conversation with players to say, I want to be able to run lots of monsters. Which one of these approaches are you guys happy with? Right. And then they can say, oh, I'd rather you reskin big monsters into small, as long as we have some way to do extra damage when we do a fireball or whatever. You know, make them vulnerable to area attacks or something. I don't know. But um, but the the other point from the ecology standpoint is the idea that like thinking about how at higher levels, a lot of times when we think about right monsters for the right situation, we think like well we're going to be overpowering the characters with monsters that are too powerful because they were dumb and went down to the lich you know the lich city, but 
a lot of time it's going to be the other way where they go to a town. This yeah, is yeah. a DD Adventures League game I went to where we went to a town. We were like seventh or eighth level and we saw a bunch of guys robbing a store and it was like three swashbucklers and two master thieves. And we're like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like master thieves and swashbucklers have nothing better to do than steal dresses at a store. Why aren't they bandits? Right? Like <laughs> they should be bandits. And in the fact, well, that wouldn't be, that'd be too easy. Who cares? Right. You know, what makes sense are bandits. It, it so. is worth pointing out, though, that um, when there's too many encounters that go one way where the party is way too powerful, um, yeah. that, that's fine. And you can still have a good, a good and fun campaign that way. But it only takes one the other direction <laughs> where, the, where the PCs are grossly overpowered and don't realize it. To kind of ruin everybody's campaign, <laughs> so and, no, I mean, no, that that is when you teach them that it's okay to retreat. Well, yeah, but, this, but they see, don't. This is, this yeah, is the thing, but, though. They don't what, learn that until might, they're all dead. No, well, then you need to give them really big hints <laughs> that they need yes, to run away. Yes. See, the, the I, thing I, is, I, like, I, this I, is a very beyond you. <laughs> like this, that's my that's my line. Yeah. This is this is a very you know, like old school way to do things, what Mike is talking about. This is how we used to play. You know, in basic D&D, you didn't walk in and say, okay, well, there's some goblins in there. Let's say I have four characters and their goblins have this many hit points on average. And you didn't do all that. You just said, hey, those goblins, they, you know, that's why there's a number appearing listing in the first edition monster manual. Because those things go, those kobolds, they run in packs. How many, how many in a pack? Well, you know, it depends on what the number appearing is. If they're in, you know, if they're scouts, there's probably between one and six or one and ten. I don't, and I don't that doesn't feel, I, like, the old school was like, well, there's 2D20 kobolds. Like, it, it didn't well, really. Might, yeah, there might be. I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing numbers out, but I'm saying, but it's the, yeah. it's not the numbers that's important. It's the idea of right. you don't set only five kobolds there because you have five PCs. Right. You set however many kobolds there that would naturally be there. Right. So if kobolds naturally run in scouting packs of 10 to 15, then that's how many are going to be there, regardless of the level of your characters or how many are in the party. Right. And if it if they happen to run into a creature that is supremely overpowered, they better figure it out quick and get the hell away. Yeah, you know, but but you, but, but you only need you only need one time where they don't that it ruins the campaign. If if you're if you're running a fourth level character and you run into an ancient red dragon, you telling me that you're going to be stupid enough to try to fight it? No, but if I if I run into a lich and I don't know it's a lich when I walk in the room, then it's too late from before I before I get that. But. It doesn't matter. We're, we're over time at this point. I'm, I, I, I disagree with I'm that. Not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying be careful and consider. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with that. But I'm saying that there, there's a way, and it takes practice. There is a way to telegraph that information to the players and to the PCs so that they figure it out before they confront the lich and try to, you know, fight it, right? Oh, just yeah. like, you know, if somebody's running Curse of Strahd... Right, and you go try to kill Strahd when you're first level. What's going to happen to you? Well, you he's going to laugh at you. you and he's going to toy with you. Level. Say that again. Ravenloft's a third level uh, campaign. You shouldn't be there. But I'm just saying. But, but I know. I understand your point. I understand your like, point. You, you, your players have to develop some kind of willingness to catch clues. And so it, it but it, it, it's all, I'm not saying it's all on the players, though. The, the right. DM, to some extent, has to learn how to telegraph that type of information, right. right? And that's why I said this is very old school. You know, 
uh, a lot of people, if they if the characters walk into a room, they might say, well, I want to search for secret doors. And the DM just says, oh, roll. Right? Mm-hmm. And then if they roll high enough, then they find it. And if they don't, when they say, you don't find anything. Mm-hmm. Or same with searching for traps. But there's another way to run that scene. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, well, you notice that the you know one of the floor tiles is a, looks a little higher than the others, you know? Right. And then they can investigate that, and they, you can go through that. Of course, that's a stupid, boring example, but you get my idea. No, and, 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 I, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I'm just saying there are considerations to, to bear in mind, because sometimes the, any group of players will, will miss the clues, and, and players are notoriously bad at picking up on these kinds of things sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... And, and, it sorry, only sorry, takes, and it only takes one to, to, to rain on everybody's parade. So just be aware of that and, and care, keep that in mind is all I'm saying. Yeah, sure, I, had, sure. I, had yeah to, I, I had to run there for a second. You may have already said this, but like, you know, when we talk about like having the clues, I know that in mine, I'm very, very, you know, I don't, I don't tell them, I don't give them a clue. I just tell them, you know, like you, you're, you're heading down a path that you think may be beyond you. Right. You know, and then I look at them right in the eye, <laughs> like you believe. Yeah. This may be beyond your capabilities. Well, and then and, it's up but, to them, right? And, but they and, know they're walking into a potential death trap. But that also becomes like you talked about, you know, put whatever creatures make sense um, for the story and for the the ecology or whatever. That's a pretty heavy-handed disruption to the story. Like if the story and the characters make sense so. for them to go there, and you tell them, okay, if it makes sense for you to go there, just be be warned, you're gonna die. Um, then they suddenly change their mind for reasons okay. that don't make any sense yeah. outside of the meta. You know, no, I think I think it makes perfect sense. So if they're if if, if like so, I think they're gonna be able to handle the 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 Karenheim, right? That that the dead city. Sure. But if I really if they were like three levels lower mm-hmm. and they headed there, I would say to them, yeah, you. You know, while you're considering going to Karenheim, you think it may be beyond you, right? right? But, and that's but, but not, what makes that's them think of that? That you know, they, well, see, and they, they so get a premonition. So wait, <laughs> like, yeah. So, so exactly. here's the thing, though. There's there's ways to hint at that, and some tables will accept the hints, mm-hmm. and some and won't. some won't. And and those that won't, or those that don't enjoy trying to puzzle through those hints, then they'll they just need what Mike does, which is okay. Well, you notice this; they're not catching on. You just say, look. You estimate based on your based on the PC's experience in the world and knowing how well they are and what powers they have. You estimate that you're walking into something that is beyond yeah, you. Just, yeah, I mean, we're talking about adventurers here. Like right. sheer instinct will tell them, yeah, you know, maybe I, that's it. like especially if it's like if you fight a couple of stone giant whites and they're really hard and you're going to go to a city that's full of them. That's a, like if the if the players haven't gotten a clue. You can you can hand it to them and be like, "There's a city of those guys that were really rough." Are you sure? Right. Yeah. But, I, I, see, that, so I, I don't but that's different. I, I, I that's different, and and that's how I would probably approach it is going back to the lore and the hints that you've already dropped, and just really reiterating it in in a much more bold faced way, rather than just looking at them in, in in the eye and saying, "Look, you're in over your head if you go down here," um, yeah, because that's I, I that's reiterating I, I, the story and the clues that you've already that you've already mm-hmm. worked through. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess your point is they have to have some reason to think that. Otherwise, there's, there's, there's a, dis- there's I mean, a you, cognitive dissonance, yeah. Ah, you, you're yeah, talking still... about, you know, the difference between when they walk into, you know, walk into a room and say, okay, they're looking around. Oh, you notice very thick spider webs in the corners. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's one clue. Okay, they might keep going. They might think they're cobwebs. Okay, uh, you find... You know, in the corner, what looked like something that was previously wrapped, like in a in a webby cocoon, 
and it's this desiccated husk of a of a human, of a halfling or something. Okay, and then and then you you know and you you build up these clues. Of course, you know I'm skipping a lot of things you could do, right, but. Right. If those players haven't figured out there's probably a spider somewhere, then they're not paying attention to what you're saying. Sure. Right. But I but mean, if I'm but if I'm in a bald face, worried about stropeliches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and there's there's a lot of room in between um, laying in those hints and and until they catch on. And um, some groups I've been in where it's oh this this wizard is giving us this quest. How powerful do I think he is? Oh, well, roll this die and I'll tell you what level he is, sort of, you know. Right. That, that's a, another direction that I think disconnects me from the story that I, that I don't appreciate as much. So right. that's all I'm saying. Well, I, I, think, I think that uh, different tables do things different ways. I, I'm, I'm not trying to disparage one way over another. I think, Jeff, if what you're describing that you say isn't – it sort of breaks your own immersion, then that's not going to work for you. But it might work for some other tables. I'm no, not that, saying that – that's all I'm saying. <laughs> anybody's doing anything bad. But what I'm pointing out is that what Mike's describing, you can't just all of a sudden in the middle of your campaign start doing that. No, without no, letting without communication between your players. So yes. basically if you're going to start doing that, you got to start letting the players know that the things that you say when you describe a location or when you describe a situation or an atmosphere, those things matter. It's not just you trying to make a colorful illusion. It actually has a point. And if they start paying attention to those, it'll make the game richer because they'll start figuring out, "Oh, I think, you know, we might be coming upon some trolls." You know, those things sound powerful. Let me go find out from, you know, somebody in some sage in town what they know about trolls. Right. And then you go from there. Or you have them run into a troll. Then when they figure out it keeps regenerating, they realize, oh, crap, it keeps regenerating. Nothing we're doing seems to be doing damage. We need to get the hell out of here. Yeah, I I think those are. I think we're we're passionately discussing something that more the more deep, the deeper we go into it, the more we realize we're agreeing with each other. Oh, yeah, totally. No, I know. (laughs) Because it seemed like we were all disagreeing. I'm just pointing out none of us here are saying one of these ways or one of these specific ways to do something is better than another. We're talking about our preferences. There there is a definite difference between the new school sort of way of doing things and the old school way of doing things. Right. Good show. Good show. Yeah, now, we were going to wrap up right on time. Now we went a good 15 minutes over, but I think people will enjoy this conversation. So sure. we're going to wrap it up. This episode of Behind the DM Screen is over. Uh, and so, I don't know. Let's say goodnight, guys. Goodnight, guys. Goodnight.